lift you up. We honor you because um, of your mercy. Um, it's evident through the gospel. And Lord God, we get to obey your gospel through your gospel. <laughs> what a beautiful thing. And so, Lord God, as we hear what it means to be obedient to the gospel, um, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, Lord God, be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord God, and my strength, my redeeming whom I trust. In Jesus' name, everybody agree with that said? Um, speaking of giving glory to God, uh, my brother Aaron returned from with us. Aaron D. Johnson. Also, I don't know if y'all knew, but that song we just sang, he wrote and composed that. Yeah, so let's give God glory for that. Amen. 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 We're some very, 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 very talented artists at Epiphany Fellowship that God has blessed us to be able to hang out with and to see um, God do some powerful things through them. Um, also want, um, want you to also, don't, please don't forget this, this pledge deal that we're talking about, um, pledging in relation to not building fund or anything like that, but really your tithes and offerings for next year so that we can know how to budget um, because we have a lot that we believe God wants to accomplish through us. We're trying to get rid of approximately $100,000 of debt next year. And so um, to kind of knock that down, amen, that'll free up $100,000 the next year. Amen. So we got to we, we so we need to know because we have to pay that off. And, and we're also trying to knock out the building. We're also supporting Pastor Doug and the Epiphany Camden for sixty thousand dollars over the next three years. And so um, we want that's going to be twenty thousand a year. Um, and we would like to push it further and, and, and plant other churches at the same time. And so we want to be able to, to fund that. Um, don't forget about, we, we, we're trying to buy the second lot next to us because we're trying to break ground on the playground in April. So that's another thing we have to do. We have our after-school program upstairs. We got our stuff we need to do in the bay. We got a lot of work to do. Amen. And, and it's going to take our resources together. You know, we don't, we, don't, we don't twist anybody's arm and have five offerings and promise blessings that God ain't going to give. Um, we just tell you, uh, we just tell you in, light of, in, light of, um, in light of our calling as a community to honor Jesus in everything, that we want to bless God with the first of our wealth. And so no one just says how they're going to spend um, and, and just say, I'm just going to spend some money. You know, you get your check and you're just going to spend but go ahead and do that. You know what I'm saying? You can do that, but you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble. And so, um, and so in light of that, we want to be able to be great stewards. And we thank God for Pastor Nyron and his role as stewardship pastor leading us in this area. And um, what we want to do is we're trying to know exactly what our covenant community and those who attend is going to give for next year so that we can build our budget around not just throwing throwing an amount out there, but really being able um, to be able to cross, um, cro across our T's and dot our I's. We know we're walking by faith, but we want to walk by faith by knowing what God has available here. Amen? Amen. So please don't forget about that because that's very, very important for our ability to go forward in ministry. Um, let's, let's go ahead and dive into scriptures. Turn over to Ephesians Chapter 5, I mean, I'm sorry, dang, I'm in chapter 5 already, my bad. Ephesians chapter 2, verse, verse 16, verse 16 um, through 18. Verse 16 through 18, we're probably only going to get through verse 18 today. Um, when you get there, say amen. If you're not there yet, say hold up. All right, 10, 9, 8, 7. Six, five, four, three, two, one. We there. Verse 16. All right. 
let's, let's dig into these verses. It says in verse 14, I mean 16, it says, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to God the Father. That's what we're going to spend time in today in these verses. Um, as, as we look at these verses, and we're still in this section where we're looking at both the horizontal and vertical impact of the gospel of Jesus Christ on our lives. And, and as I meditate on what we're going to go through today in this message, um, it, it, it reminds me of back in the day how, how I, and, and still even up to this point, struggle with acceptance. You know, I don't know, I don't know if you're here today and you struggle with acceptance. Um, if, if, you, if you say you don't, you're probably not telling the truth, but... All of us on some level struggle with acceptance. I remember when I was a young buck in Truesdale Elementary School uh, on, on, on 7th Ingraham in Washington, D.C., um, struggling, struggling with acceptance. You know, it was, it was different people that, 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 that you know, they, they just like to start fights. So I wanted to hang with them. They just walk up to somebody, bow, just hit them in the eye and just run away. You know what I'm saying? And they had, like, they were like a cool group of people. Then it was people that just, just their parents bought them anything. I mean, we in the hood, they got the brand new Jordans. I mean, all, both of them come out, black and red, black, red, and white, and whatever else come out. They got the new polo. They got champions. They had Coca-Cola shirts. Y'all don't know about that back then. You know what I'm saying? Pepsi Jones, you know what I'm saying? Back then, you know. And, um, you know, a girls getting their hair done part up here, part down here. You know, bamboo earrings everywhere. See, I don't remember none of that. But, 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 but we wanted to be around them, you know what I'm saying? But my parents wouldn't buy me none of that, so I wouldn't get accepted by that crew because my parents would buy me one pair of sneaks per year. Then I go to Catholic school in the inner city um, and everybody else is getting school clothes you know walking to school everybody got on crispy I mean they crispy I'm walking to school in like a light blue shirt a blue tie navy blue you know that's before you know schools got all of the uniform so it was really really weird for a little beady head dude from the inner city um, to be going and then I didn't get a haircut but every two months so then they would call me fluffy and beady and buckshot you know what I'm saying? So y'all don't know nothing about that because some of y'all got that silky hair. But I got, I, I, I got the true bred African hair. Amen. Purebred African hair. Amen, somebody. Forget all y'all slick hair people. Um, all my beady hair people say amen. Amen, amen, amen. No, 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 that ain't right. That ain't right. That ain't right. God made all of us anyway. Um, but y'all gave us a hard time calling us BDB and everything. You know, but we start, you know, I struggle with acceptance. And then back then, dark skinned dudes, what likes so all the light skinned, pretty boy, Christopher Williams looking dude. Yeah, dog. We'll get all the girls. And so, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting that nola on my face, the light in my face, trying to get my Michael Jackson on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, I'm just, you know what I'm saying? I, I was struggling. Now, you can't say that. You got the silky hair, man. So even though you dark skinned, you got waves and carrying on. You know, I, I put a wave cap on and it just tightened up the beads. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I, I, I just struggle with acceptance. And everybody, I don't care what you look like, you're we, 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 sh we want to be in something in particular. We want to be accepted by people and we'll go great lengths to do that. What well, well, Paul today in this section of Ephesians talks about acceptance. And, and one of the beautiful things about acceptance here. And the way Paul talks about acceptance is this acceptance isn't something that comes by trying to be accepted. What's beautiful about this passage is going to talk about how the gospel, how the gospel 
accepts us without us doing anything to be accepted by it. And, man, and, man, and, 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 and as I grow as a Christian and I develop as a Christian, I, I, I want God to continue to grow me in my understanding and passion and, and, and functioning in the acceptance that God has already secured for us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today I want to talk about just for a few minutes, just for a few minutes of you to allow, identified by acceptance. Identified by acceptance. In these verses, we're going we're gonna to spend a, few t- uh, a little bit of time on very, very key terms because we're still building a theological foundation for when we get to chapter 4 on uh, intimacy and unity and, 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 and the idea of the impact of the gospel on that for the body of Christ. Here in this passage, he walks through and works through. Now, what does it look like for the Christian community to walk in the acceptance and experience and understanding the significance of this access, uh, access, uh, um, access and uh, acceptance? I kept getting the C's wrong. And so, and so this is a beautiful passage to kind of help us to understand what is the anatomy of our acceptance? How did it happen? How, what, what does it look like? And, 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 and Paul doesn't want us to ever forget what that looks like. He wants us to be continuously nourished off of that. So we only got one point today. Um, um, in, in light of this acceptance, um, what point is we have equal access to God. We have equal access to God. Right here in the passage, he says, and might, be, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. <clears throat> you know, right here in this passage, he's talking about, again, still contextually, the Jews and the Gentiles, or the Jews and the Greeks, and them being equally accepted by God. Equal acceptance and equal equality, equal, uh, uh, but different in function eventually when we get to chapter 4. But the word he uses here, which is a loaded word, it, it is a loaded, 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 loaded word, here, it's the word reconcile. Say reconcile. reconcile. This, is, this is a powerful word for Christianity because there is no other, uh, uh, whether we want to call it religion or sp- spiritual journey, um, that really deals with what this word reconcile deals with as it relates to God and man and man and man. This, this, this word uh, uh, reconcile, we talked about in the earlier part of the Ephesians series, but I feel like since it's such a powerful main verb here, we want main idea here, we want to point and dive into this. So what does reconciliation mean? What, is, what does it mean to reconcile? Reconcile means rest- restoration of friendly relationships and of peace where before there had been hostility and alienation. Let me say that again. Restoration of friendships and of peace where before there had been hostility and alienation. Ordinarily, it also includes the removal of the offense. Say removal. Yeah, this is important because one of the things about reconciliation that's very, very important for us to understand, and we're going to go through the cycle of reconciliation and restoration and a gospel cycle that uh, um, that everyone goes through to become a Christian, but the same cycle keeps and continues us as Christians. What's powerful about God is God isn't passive, and he's not afraid of confrontation. 
What does that have to do with reconciliation? Everything. What's powerful about reconciliation is God doesn't act like nothing happened. In other words, God's work through Christ on the cross actually deals with the issue. It doesn't act like there wasn't issues between us. So therefore, God through Jesus in reconciling us deals with the actual issue that caused separation and that's sin. So therefore, in order for us to walk as peacemakers, we cannot walk as peace fakers. Why? Because God didn't say, well, some, well you know, this didn't happen, you know, and it, he actually deals with specifically our sin in order that reconciliation can be real. Because if God doesn't deal with the sin that separates, then the reconciliation is just a formality. It's not a, it's not a biblical function. And so what's beautiful about this passage is he's pointing us to the fact that all of us as Christians have been reconciled to God through Christ. And in us being reconciled to God through Christ, we have been positionally reconciled with one another. In the context of talking about Jews and, uh, Jews and Greeks or Jews and Gentiles being reconciled to one another. And so what it's, what it's saying is, is that the gospel deals with the issues that separate God and man and man and man. And he faces those specifically. And so as we continue our definition on reconcile, it also, be, it also points to this was, this reconciliation was especially so in the relation of God with humanity when Christ removed the enmity existing between God and mankind by his vicarious sacrifice. Say vicarious sacrifice. Now when we get on to the end of the verse, now, when we get on the end of the verse, we're going to talk about what um, this idea of vicarious sacrifice means. This is very important for you to understand. This is important for us to understand. Now, let me answer a question that may be in your mind. Some of you say y'all talk about the gospel a lot here. The reason why we talk about the gospel a whole lot is because everything in the Bible points to it. And because it points to it, it's not, I just want to help those of you who may be new here, I see a lot of new faces, to understand why the gospel is in every message, not just the end of the message, to, cause, to call people who don't know Jesus to Jesus. The gospel should both every Sunday, in every text, convict the sinner who doesn't know Jesus and the sinner saint who knows Jesus. Every text should point to that. Therefore, you can't hear the gospel enough because it always refreshes, refreshes, refreshes what God is doing in you and God wants to do in you. So this idea of reconciliation is very important for us to walk in, even though the gospel is specifically in this text. So scripture speaks first of Christ's meritorious substitutionary death. Now, this is powerful. This is powerful wording as it relates to this is the anatomy of reconciliation. So you got what does meritorious mean? It means work to work for something, to earn something, to merit something, to deserve something. So so what 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 is important for Christians to understand is Jesus earned salvation for us. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but faith is a non meritorious work. In other words, faith is not a work in and of itself because it doesn't secure anything. It responds to what has been secured. So therefore, reconciliation between God and man was, was caused by Jesus' work of earning salvation for us, which was a meritorious work. We'll talk about substitution in a second. And, 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 then, uh, and then death here, and it, it was done through his death on the cross for us. Of sinners appropriating the free gift by faith and promise forgiveness and salvation and the sinner's possession by grace and finality the reconciliation of them to God. 
The problem is not rightly addressed, I like this, by questioning whether the unchanging God ever changes his mind. The situation rather is one where an an altered relationship now exists between God and sinners by Christ interposing sacrifice on behalf of falling mankind. So that means God would be unholy if he would have just said, come on into a relationship with me. Because to to reconcile himself to us without dealing with the sin would make him unholy and phony. Let's be in a relationship and everything's okay when we haven't been transformed yet. Therefore, we would have gotten killed immediately being in his presence. So he's so loving and so powerful that he wants reconciliation to be authentic and real. So what he does is he sent his son to deal with the issue that separated us by dying so that him procuring salvation for us would would bring eternal fellowship with him and him not violating his holiness but affirming it. See, Jesus Christ's death on the cross affirmed the holiness of God because he wanted us to see how raggedy we are, how trifling we are, And what would have happened to us eternally if he wouldn't have died in six hours for us? Okay, see y'all, see y'all don't, see y'all, see y'all think y'all deserve to be safe. So we're going to make it real, real plain. I like movies where there's shooting in them. I like that. And one type of movie I like, I know y'all looking at me like, dang, pastor crazy. Um, And I like the ones where the the dudes come in and and, and they're about to kick down the door and the dudes say, and they go, kick down the door, and then they all come in one pointing that way, one pointing up, and two pointing that way, and then they go on like this, and then then he says go over that way, and then they go, and they go through the room, and then when they find somebody, they put that little red light on their head. Now, you know when you got the red light on your head, (laughs) it's probably about to be over. But, 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 But what's powerful about that is that when the red light got on our head, of the wrath of God, Jesus Christ jumped in the way and got shot up on our behalf. So the red light hit him. There were red lights on Jesus for every last person that he died for. And and he got shot for each and every one of us and got shot up on your behalf. And and then because he was shot up in our place. So you ain't never seen the part of the movie when the person thinks they got the wrong person. And then they go to the next person that they realize they're supposed to, they hit them and don't hit them. The person that had the red light on their head said, none of us have ever said to the wrath of God. None of us, because we think we were okay. And and so so we've never, that's what what makes reconciliation sweet in, in this text, because it understands that something was wrong with me. Not somebody else, not my cousin, not my auntie, but your boy. And so what happened is I realized that there was a red dot following me from birth in the womb. It was a dot on me. When I came out of the womb crying, wah, it was a dot on me. When I grew up and was getting milk, there was a dot on me. When I was walking down the street and ain't nobody was shooting, somebody, God was scoping me out to blow me away. <laughs> and what's beautiful about Jesus Christ, he said, blow me away. <laughs> Shoot me on their behalf. Blow me away on their behalf. <laughs> And so the point of reconciliation is that God, for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, now feels towards sinners as though they never offended him. That's reconciliation. Wow. The reconciliation is complete and perfect, covering mankind both extensively and intensively. (laughs) 
That is all sinners and all sin. I like Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11 on this. <coughs> you don't have to turn it out read it. It says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, <coughs> we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Now, now this next verse I'm going to read, we like this because we only read the verse, that, that verse of 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We like that verse. But then we're going to read the rest of that, right? Therefore, if any man is in Christ, hands go up at that point. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Hands start going up. I'm new. I'm new. I, I pronounce that I'm new in Jesus' mighty name. How, though? The oldest pass away, behold the new. I like, you like, we like that part. Okay. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So that means that that's pointing to Christians leading non-Christians to Jesus. But then it says that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us that message, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. For God, uh, uh, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I like that. And so Paul talks about this reality of being uh, given the ministry of reconciliation. But what's beautiful about this and what points us back to Ephesians is that, is that, is that God initiated reconciliation. We didn't initiate reconciliation. Meaning, you, you, nobody in here has never accepted Christ. There's no such thing as that in the Bible. Nobody in here accepted Christ. You accept somebody that got issues. He don't have issues. He accepts us. <laughs> I hope you get that. I accepted Christ as my... No, you didn't. He accepted you as a lost sinner that needed salvation. And you trusted and had faith in him. The word accept, you don't, ex you, that's, not in, that's not in the Bible, accepting Christ. Christ accepts us. God accepts us through Christ. That, that's, a, that's a key understanding for us is that, is, that, is that we are accepted by God. Why? Because God dealt with our lack of, uh, our lack of holiness, our lack of love, our lack of passion, everything. He dealt with that on the cross. So now. As we look at that idea of reconciliation, what's the anatomy of that reconciliation? What, what makes reconciliation authentic based on the scriptures? I wish I put this up on the board, but, this, but I put the slide up way back when we did um, the, the gospel-centered life. But it starts with this, hearing the gospel. <laughs> First, you can't be reconciled to God unless you hear the gospel. How will they hear without a what? preacher right so the gospel has to be proclaimed all the, the, uh, the lie is all i do is live the gospel and as i live the gospel people say man jesus christ died on the cross for my sins i could tell that for the, by the way you didn't make copies and didn't steal pens <laughs> now you know you're supposed to live the gospel but you're also supposed to proclaim it right so people have to hear the gospel like people just think that i, I just want to share them with my life i preach the gospel as much as possible but use words if necessary that's not actually fully true. 
We understand the pragmatics of having a life that reflects the gospel because we're supposed to bear fruit. However, we're supposed to say fruit too, and gospel is the ultimate thing of that fruit. But then once you hear the gospel, there's conviction, hopefully. Now, reconciliation can't happen unless you hear the gospel and you are convicted by that gospel. Uh, uh, John chapter 16, where it talks about the Holy Spirit coming to uh, convict us of what? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Talking about sin, how, how we're messed up in Adam. Righteousness, God is righteous and we're not. He's holy. And then judgment. He's coming after you if you don't repent. That's what leads us to our next one. It goes from hearing the gospel, conviction of sin based on hearing that gospel, and then going from there to confession and repentance. Notice I said both. See, confession without repentance is an announcement. But confession with repentance is a denouncement. Get the two. Because in, because in confession, you admit that you're raggedy. But repentance says, I want to be changed from raggedy to right. And so, and so therefore, uh, God deals with our sin through the cross by us repenting of the fact that we're sinful. Then from there, right, uh, we have faith in the gospel. And after faith in the gospel, faith in the gospel, guess what we have to have? Fruits of repentance. Reconciliation, right? We've been reconciled to God. Reconciliation looks like something in particular. Beautiful stuff, right? And so John said when the Pharisees tried to come to, come to him and get baptized, he said, you brood of vipers, who warned you of the wrath that was to come? But bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Amen. And so, and so if, if, if reconciliation has truly happened between us and God, that means that there has to be karpos in our life. Karpos is fruit. That means that we need to bear fruit of that reality. When you look in Ephesians, that whole idea of reconciliation goes from hearing the gospel, conviction of sin, confession of repentance, faith in the gospel, fruits of repentance. Then guess what we do again? Sin. But if you're a Christian, God has already dealt with that. So guess what you get to do? Hear the gospel again. You get to be convicted by your sin again, and guess what you get to do? Confess, repent, and guess what's supposed to happen after that? Fruits of transformation. Then guess what? You sin again. And the hope is, as you're growing in sanctification, we are reconciled to God, but we practically walk in that reconciliation as we grow as a community in our connection to the living God and in our practice with other Christians. Okay? And so he says he has us in, and then, then after he talks about this idea of us being, re, he, and might reconcile us both to God, talking about two groups of people who weren't reconciled to God or one another, but here it's talking mainly about one another in this context, in one body. That's, this is powerful. This is powerful, in, in, in one body, because it's pointing to two things. Now, in the New Testament, y'all still tracking with me? All this foundation building. And so uh, one of the things you see in the New Testament is usually what's called the universal church is not talked about. In other words, usually it's local churches that are zoomed in on in the New Testament. So here it's doing two things. It's pointing to the general idea of the entire people of God who have trusted, uh, uh, who have trusted God by, by being transformed by faith alone, through grace alone, through Christ alone, right? And so it's talking about the universe, but it's also written specifically to this community talking about um, actually one body within this local body. So you see both a macro community and a micro community. Say macro and micro. This is very important for us to understand. Now, when we talk about macro community, it's points to all who have trusted Jesus and been reconciled to God in Jesus. So all who, who have trusted Jesus is reconciled to one another as the universal community known as the church. 
So even with your little doctrinal differences with the churches down the street, guess what we are if they know Jesus Christ is one as Savior? One body. So that means that we need to stop treating people bad because they don't believe open-handed issues like we do. That's close-handed issues and there's open-handed issues. But many times we take our little open-handed differences and make everybody, since they, well, they ain't got what we got, so plat out, they out there. No, it, it says that God has accepted them and guess, guess who got messed up stuff that we can't see and God still accepts us? All of us. All, and God still reconciles, and, we, uh, and, and he walks in that reconciliation with us even though we're messed up in that, right? But macro, right? So the macro community points to the equality of value that every Christian has in Jesus. Every Christian has in Jesus, an equality of value because Jesus is Savior and we all have equal value. Now, when we look at micro community, that means smaller communities that make up the big community. That means local churches, whether you're a house church, whether you meet in a cathedral, whether you meet in a basement, whether you meet in a uh, old, whatever this was, um, that we meet in, um, this is a, we are a micro community. Now, all of this has to do with this interesting idea of reconciliation and acceptance. It says, <clears throat> these are known as local churches. The micro community is where we are obedient to practice and apply our value, our value in Jesus. I was, I was on the phone with a, a old, one of my old, um, Greek, uh, Greek tutors. Now he's a big time Greek professor um, now. But I was on the phone with him and, and he, he, uh, he, you know, we were talking about, I was talking about application. And he says, you know, you know, Eric, that's, that's not in the Bible. I said, huh? He said, no, application is nowhere in the Bible. He said, see, in American Western culture, Eric, we come up with these terms <laughs> and they soften what the Bible actually calls stuff. He said, we call, we call, instead of saying discipleship, we say spiritual formation. He says, instead of obedience, we say application. I said, dag. <laughs> you know, and he says, you know, application makes it an option. He says obedience makes it a command. And, and, and as we look at this idea of the Mac, we've, we've been made one and called into reconciliation with one another. So the micro community is where obedience to the gospel is applied. That, that's where obedience to the gospel is applied. That means we have to be fighting together to walk together in unity. Like we got to know how to fight with each other. I wish I had time to talk about that because, because if you, we're going to walk practically as one body, guess what? We have to be obedient to the gospel together. And that's why small groups, Pastor Larry, we need to stop calling them application questions and call them obedient questions. <laughs> How were you doing with last week's? See, we asked those nice questions. He said, no, let's get, let's get it. That's what this one thing is about. That's why this is, that's why this, our core value community is right here. We get it from the Bible. Community is about more than just being together. It's about, call, I'm, I know I'm all, but calling one another to obedience together. Amen. Obedience. Are you obeying the gospel so we can walk functionally in oneness? 
Are we glazing over issues or are we actually utilizing the cross to deal with issues? Are we glazing over, over, you overlook faults, people, back to reconciliation real quick, when it's a small fault. When it's a massive, just big old dump truck, y'all got to process through that stuff, man. And it takes time. So our core value as community, I'll just say it, Epiphany Fellowship will seek to build a healthy environment by which believers may fellowship with other believers with Christ at the center. Epiphany Fellowship will seek to be a ministry that commits itself to the one another's of Scripture. The desire is that all members of Epiphany Fellowship will never go through life with unmet needs. And, 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 so, and so our desire by the gospel is to apply this as this one community, the macro community, the micro community, the micro community. You, you, you can't. Uh, you, that's why it's important that you get in a local community so that you can walk in obedience and be challenged to obedience. With you. you can't just have this meandering existence. <clears throat> we know you have positional oneness because you got because you're a Christian. Uh, um, but, but however, we're talking about practical oneness. Practical, practical oneness, obeying what it means to walk in oneness. Ah. But then he says, how is this oneness procured? <laughs> he says, through the cross. One body through what? The cross. Now, this is beautiful because the cross is the vicarious substitution. That means that, means that Jesus Christ, that means that Jesus Christ took on and took the blunt of the of, of the of the all of not the not the front end not the back end not the middle the entire blast of God's righteousness and, and got a messed up group of people through the cross of Jesus Christ and killing the hostility now most of us don't think we we had hostility you know let, let me see let me see because some of us don't really believe that we needed reconciliation some of us believe well I'm in Christ but I don't really need to deal with all that because I wasn't messed up at so and so okay Let's see if we can make it plain. I stole one of Pastor Doug's uh, deals on dogs. He's, he's a dog breeder. He got this big old monster lion dog. And, um, man, the, what the dog was used for is as the hunter was reloading his gun, he'd hold, go and hold back a lion. A lion until he reloaded and was able to shoot at the lion. Now, I think having a dog like that, it's crazy, so you may need to repent of having that big old dog. I'm scared of that big old dog. When I go over his house, he do like this, ah, and the dog start barking at me. But what's interesting is he said pure breed dogs, he said pure breed dogs are arrogant, and especially when they're well taken care of. He said, so they're arrogant, and you know, they, they'll fall down on the job. But he said, he said you, you go to the dog pound, and you get you a mutt. He said, now, nah, a mutt ain't eating you know, fur missing and carrying on, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if you ever seen one of them where he just got picked up on 7th and Allegheny or something, you know what I'm saying? And just got fur missing and ribs all out and people get, and he just run all off in the, you know what I'm saying? And he said, so that dog gets pounded. He said, that dog is in the dog pound, not eating regularly, not being pet, pet, not being cared for. But he said, what will happen is, is someone will come to the pound and come get that dog. And what will happen is, is that person will start petting that dog, feeding that dog, getting shots, and loving on that dog. He says, now, walk up in that person's house after that dog has been nurtured by that owner. Yeah. 
and think. He said that dog will jump through the, gla- the, the glass and grab your neck and rip your jo-. He said that dog will tear you up. Why? Because they know where they were and they really, really appreciate the owner that came and got them. All I'm trying to tell you today is some of you think you're a pure breed. Some of you think you had it good all your life, but you don't realize that every last one of us was in the dog pound going on hell, uh, going to hell with, 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 and, and a basket on fire with gasoline draws on, but God in his mercy and his justice and his grace rolled up his sleeves and came in the person of Jesus Christ and he came to the pound called earth and he came and got some old raggedy uh, teeth missing, hair out of place, messed up, jacked up, trifling, dirty. Yes, you are. I don't care what kind of perfume you got on. I don't care what kind of, he came and got you out of the pound and now that you're in a relationship with them, how dare you act like you've always been in a relationship with them. <laughs> when you understand what God has done for you through Jesus Christ, it makes you make the Christian life protective. <sighs> so it's very important as we look at <laughs> this idea of, 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 of what was procured for us through the cross. It said he came and preached peace. That's how Christ did it to those who are far off. In other words, they were nowhere near redemptive history. They never heard about the covenants of promise. They've never heard about any of those things. But Jesus preached peace to those who were far off. And guess what? It hit those who were nearby. And those who were far off are, are just as equal as the ones who were near. And they gave, they're given equality as a community in one body together, macro community and micro community. Both. And guess what? One of the big things is you think you're going to go somewhere and find a perfect place. But as long as you keep going there, it's going to still be imperfect. <laughs> I don't like it here. I'm going to. Listen. You're going to, some of y'all are misfits and you run everywhere trying to find the perfect place. And God is saying, I want you to sit your behind down somewhere and function in a micro community to function in, because God, God, you got to apply the hostility that was killed. (laughs) So it says he killed the hostility and he came and preached peace to those who were far off and those who were near. It says, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to God the Father. And so this access to God through Christ, <coughs> this access is, has been used as a way for someone with credibility with a king introducing them to a king. <laughs> Jesus introduced us to God the Father and gave us eternal access. You know, when usually you come in before a king, you know, the, the, the person that, that ain't supposed to, because you couldn't just walk up in no king's palace. You try it, you're going to get stuff chopped all off, okay? So you're going, they're going to chop. But, but what happened is, is that for us to get access to God through Christ, the Bible says that Jesus Christ basically goes in before the Father and says, I want to introduce you to someone. And he brings us into the Father, into the king's palace, and lays us before the king, guess what, as a mutt dog. But what's beautiful is when by the time Jesus carries us before the Father, he no longer sees a mutt. He sees a purebred animal. 
that's been transformed by the one he likes to look at a whole lot, and that's his son. So we have access through Jesus Christ who has taken us before the Father. So this points to access and opportunity for intimacy. This idea of access always means intimacy, which points back to chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. We're talking about intimacy. So access is God's acceptance of us through faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross, whereby God (coughs) makes available to us the relationship that was forfeited through Adam, but restored in Christ in the benefits that come with it. (laughs) Let me say that again. Access is God's acceptance of us through faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross, whereby God makes available to us the relationship that was forfeited through Adam but restored in Christ and the benefits that come with it. So access, we need to take advantage of this access. One of the points of access is, he, uh, is, is, is prayer, Hebrews 4.16, where we get to go before the throne of grace. Fellowship, 2 Peter 1.3, where he has made us partakers of the divine nature. Worship, John 4, 23, we said the true worshipers of God will worship God in spirit and in truth, understanding. God's word is also another one. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Eternal life is another access we have, access point we have. John 17, 3, um, uh, and this is eternal life that you know God and his only son who he sent. Um, abun- uh, 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 we also have access to abundant life. John 10, 10, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. Park here just for one second. That doesn't mean rich. That means that you will have everything that God wants you to have, experience everything that you want to experience, but not necessarily looking like a benefit in the human's eyes. Abundant life is for God's glory and our good, but not our glory. See, most of us, when we think of abundant life, uh, access point, we think of our glory and God's good. So God is a byproduct, not the product. So what, uh, anyway, blessing, Ephesians 1, 3. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. So we have access in one spirit to the Father. So Jesus Christ makes the runway and the Holy Spirit is the one that continues that connection, that helps us walk in that connection and helps us to live in that connection through the transforming power of his work. (coughs) There is no transformation without the Holy Spirit. And you know what I like about the Holy Spirit? When we don't apply our access to God, we're going through a very, very difficult time, and we're unable to pray. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, that he uses the access that we're not using when we're going through a hard time. (laughs) And he does like this. He said, "Mm." Bible says groanings and other rings. See, some people think that's tongues. We believe in tongues and all, but that ain't got nothing to do with tongues. Because you're not speaking. It says groanings and utterings which you're not able to utter. So you're not saying anything. You're going through such a hard time that the Holy Spirit intercedes without you talking. So, he, he, so the Bible says also in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it, verses, not about verses 5, through tw- 5 through 14, one of the parts of the verses say that no one knows the, uh, the, 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 the mind of God except for the spirit of God who is in the depths of God. Now, I'll spend time on that when we talk about the, the anatomy of God the Father, but the Holy Spirit is inside God the Father walking around looking at what God the Father is like. 
What he does is he lives in us. He lives in God the Father. Jesus Christ has made the runway, made us connected to him, so we have access to, um, to who God is. Now, the Holy Spirit, when we're going through a difficult time inside of us, he groans and utters, and he looks at what we're going through, and he empathizes with what we're going through, and then he says to God, they're having a hard time. And he said, mm. And God the Father said, yeah, I hear you, Doc. <laughs> then, he, then he said, oh. He said, man, I can't believe that. He said, and, he, and the Father, it's just a translation. Then Jesus Christ at the right hand, they double teamed the Father. So then Jesus starts talking on our behalf. You remember I died on the cross for their sins. You remember I did it. You remember? And then, then the Holy Spirit's inside God the Father looking at what the will of God is. And then he prays it in groanings and utterings without specifically saying it. But because he knows the will of God, the prayer is answered. And because Jesus says in John that when I pray, God always answers my prayers. God the Father and God the, God the Son and God the Spirit double teams on God the Father. And God the Father responds based on the access that Jesus gave and the access that the Holy Spirit continues. And then guess what we're able to do once he brings us up we're able to have, walk in that access through praying all over again see if I was in the Kojic spot you know what I'm saying I, the mothers would have been going like, but see I don't I, but see I'm just telling you right now that 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 God works hard to help us to walk in the access he's given us <coughs> so I'm praying I'm praying that we use every access point <laughs> every access point Holy Spirit right now is walking through the character of God the Father on your behalf. And so I pray that if you struggle with acceptance, that God would help you to struggle less with it. That he would help you to struggle less with that because Jesus Christ was abandoned on the cross so you'd never be abandoned. He felt alone on the cross so that you and I could never He was forsaken so that we would never, ever, ever get forsaken. So even if in life situations you feel that way, God by his grace, God by his grace has procured the acceptance. We accept it because we've been reconciled to God. We we, we are now one community in Christ, both macro community and micro community. And so I pray that God would give us the grace to recognize our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Beautiful in what he's procured and, 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 and caused to happen through Christ's finished work on the cross. So therefore, we all have equal access to God, which is the center of the, when you, it, the access to God lets us know that we've been accepted by him. <laughs> Father, we honor you <clears throat> for this access. We honor you for acceptance. We honor you that you by your spirit, give us access to you. It's beautiful how <coughs> we're all one in the same spirit and that you challenge us on every level to walk in this idea of access. And so, Lord, I pray that we would really, really understand this access, that we would really, really understand that acceptance. And as we continue to build this theological foundation for how we're going to be obedient, not not apply, but be obedient to the gospel. Um, Give us the grace to fight together by faith. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.